We're in 1 John chapter 2, I think, verse 15. But before we look at that verse, look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. And I know every time I've been up here going through 1 John that we've been in this verse and we've spoken about it and talked about it. Um, just keep going over it. And a lot of things I'm going to say tonight are things that I've already said about this verse uh, because it's important. And I believe that this is the message that the Lord would have for us, especially living in these times that we're living in today, uh, during this age. The things that we're seeing and the things that we're experiencing. Um, it's what God wants us to know, and it's what God wants us to do in this time right now. It's always been in the past, but especially in this time. 1 John 5.13 says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. And as we've said before, this book was written to believers, uh, people who are born again, that you may know that you have eternal life. This is what God wants us to know. He desires that we know and have no doubt that we have eternal life. It's been given to us. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And that's kind of what, Lord willing, I'd like to talk about tonight is this continuing to believe. Not only do we know that we have eternal life, but then to keep going, to keep going. Not stand still, not fall backwards, but, but to grow to grow, become more and more faithful, more and more dependent on God. Because the more dependent we become upon God and the circumstances around us are causing us to become more dependent on God. And the more dependent we are, the brighter our light shines to this world. So it's what God wants us to know. And last time we spoke of the absolute necessity of knowing that we have eternal life, having that assurance. We can't continue to believe in the name of the Son of God and we can't continue to grow and our lights won't shine unless we have that complete assurance with no doubt that we have eternal life that has been given to us. That assurance of salvation. If we are believers and from this day forth we continue to believe in the name of the Son of God and we become more dependent on God and we become more faithful to God, if our light shining in this world becomes brighter and brighter and brighter, we are going to heaven guaranteed. And our lives would have counted for something eternal. If we are believers and from this day forth we have doubt and fear and we're distracted and we're not growing and in a sense we're not continuing we're not growing in our faith. We are going to heaven, guaranteed. But we would have suffered loss. Um, God wants us to continue to believe. The Bible says to lay hold on eternal life. Not just the quantity of it, you know, the fact that we, that we have it forever. This is knowing that we have eternal life, that we are going to be living forever, that a million, billion, quadrillion years from now, we are still going to be alive. What we're going to be doing, who knows? But we're going to be there. We're going to see forever the, the quantity of life that God has given us, but also the quality of life. And, and that starts now. That's the part of continuing to believe in the name of the Son of God, that we experience that quality of life that God wants us to have, not just quantity. Hebrews 3.14 says, For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. We are partakers of Christ if we hold that confidence. You know, our confidence in what? In the gospel of grace, right to the end. If we hold on to that, we have become partakers of Christ. To know that our eternity has been secured by the actions of someone outside of ourselves. Just to know. To wake up in the morning and know I have eternal life because it doesn't have anything to do with me. It, it was accomplished by someone outside of myself. Uh, we can't lose it. It, can't be, it won't be taken away. Uh, we are sealed. You know, as 
I probably said too many times last time, in spite of ourselves, we have it. And, and we need now, in these days that we're living in, more than ever before, I, I think, ever before in the history of the church, we need that assurance that we have eternal life. We need to know and to continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, he said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And in John 15, 9, he says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in his love. And I think that's, uh, that's it. As far as continuing to believe in the name of the Son of God, we abide in his love. Despite circumstances, despite what we see, we just know that, that he loves us unconditionally. Unconditionally. No matter what my poor attitude might be for the day, his love never stops. Not falling back in unbelief, but growing in faith. Uh, that as it gets darker, and it is going to get darker, uh, it's pretty dark now, but we haven't seen nothing yet. And as it gets darker, that our light, the light of the church, shines brighter and brighter and brighter because we look to Jesus only, him only. We live in oppressive times. You know, you hear people talking about oppression. These are oppressing times, just the atmosphere of the world today. It's oppressive. Uh, and we can get overwhelmed by all the negativity and all the unrest that's going on. And it's just that, you know, we just feel oppressed. And, you know, you can tell that you're feeling oppressed because any token for good that we see just moves our hearts like never before. You know, I heard, I heard a guy say he was watching a soccer game. And he's sitting there watching the soccer game, and the guy at the last minute made this amazing goal, and the team went nuts, and the fans were going nuts. And he said he started tearing up. And he thought, what, what is wrong with me? I'm, I'm watching a soccer game. It, it's because anything, you know, it's gotten so oppressive that anything that we see that is good, it, it just moves our hearts even more. Our hearts cry out for it. It can bring people to tears. You know, there have been hard times in the past. You know, when we look at history, uh, there have been dangerous times in the past. You look at the Old Testament, you know, I don't think I would have lasted too long in the Old Testament. You know, you read about the wars, the brutality of these wars, and people being taken into captivity. I wouldn't have lasted very long being marched to Babylon with a hook through my nose. Uh, things have been brutal in the past. And for Christians, there have been trying times, trying times, the, the persecution of Rome, all, all the times that the church had to move and, and just were persecuted. And the thing is, people say, well, things aren't as bad now. And in a sense, they're right. Things aren't as brutal as they are now. You know, if you looked at, look at the statistics, world hunger has decreased, world literacy has increased, um, poverty has decreased, the number of war deaths has decreased, and yet, with all this, we are living in the most dangerous times ever in the history of the world right now because it's spiritual. It's spiritual and it's deception. Uh, the spirit of Antichrist has never been stronger than it is now. And we know that it's going to get stronger, but right now we are living in dangerous times. And you know, the Lord tells us, know that you have eternal life, but to continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And that's not gonna be easy as time goes on. You know, I, I remember in Sunday school, I told the kids, you know, I forget what we're teaching on, but I said, you know, you got to hang on to Jesus. And one of the, a six-year-old kid raises his hand and says, isn't it more like he hangs on to us? I, yes, you are correct. And I am corrected. It is that he hangs on to us. But the deception has never been stronger. You know, someone said, uh, it's not just about morality anymore. It's literally defining reality. And that's what's taking place. The world is redefining reality. Uh, so, continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. What does that mean and how do we do it? Uh, let's look at one of the kings of Israel 
and see how he continued to believe in the face of overwhelming ads, you know, and put ourselves in, in his place uh, because we are facing overwhelming ads because in and of ourselves, we can do nothing. And see what this person did. Turn to Second Chronicles, please, chapter 20. And we'll see how this king, Jehoshaphat, he was a believer, and he knew his God, and he also continued to believe in the face of adversity. Uh, Second Chronicles, verse, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. So all of a sudden, this good king, who did what was right in the sight of the Lord, all of a sudden, this trial, this scary thing is happening in his life. All these armies have gathered together against him. Jehoshaphat was a believer. He was one of the faithful kings. The Bible says he did right in the sight of the Lord. He also did some really dumb things, if you read about him. But like a true believer, he always came back. He always came back to the Lord, as every believer does. We live because we have fellowship with God through Christ. That's what gets us, in a sense, so to speak, through the day, is that we can have actual fellowship with God. Not just knowing about him, not just you know some far-off thing, but we can have personal fellowship with God. You know, how can we live when we sin and break that fellowship, only by the blood of the Lamb? And how can we live with the consequences of our sin? How can we live with the consequences of a fallen world? Because it says in Romans, because we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. All things work for the good. All, that means all things. I have no understanding of how all things can work for the good, but they do for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Uh, and that's one of the aspects of continuing to believe in the name of the Son of God, and it's a huge aspect of it. It, is that it means that after failure and the consequences of our sin, we always come home. That's continuing to believe in the name of the Son of God. The prodigal son, he sinned against his father, he suffered the consequences of his sin, and he came back home and he's found his father waiting and welcoming him. And to continue to believe, knowing you have eternal life and continuing to believe, is that when we fail, we come home. And our father is always there, not just welcoming us, but watching for us, waiting for us to come home and welcoming us. Verse 2, then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, which from Syria, and they are in Hazazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. Uh, this is a huge multitude of people that are coming against him. He has, he has no chance. It's a hopeless situation. Uh, God's people have no strength. They don't know what to do, and they're confused about how they are to react to this. What are we supposed to do? We can't, in our own strength, stand up to this because we're going to get blown over. And, and today, in, in this world today, we can't stand up to the multitudes that are coming against the truth. We'll get blown over if we try to do it in and of ourselves. Uh, and the multitude coming against the truth is strong. In Matthew, it says, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive if possible, even the elect, the deception is just going to grow so strong that those, the Bible says, those who haven't received the love for the truth will believe the lie. Uh, if possible, to deceive even the elect. So how are we supposed to react? You know, Jehoshaphat's thinking the same thing. What are we supposed to do? Do we get militant? Do we surrender? Do we compromise? Do we hide? Uh, a great multitude is coming against us. 
in the form of deception. You know, we don't fight against flesh and blood, the Bible says. We fight, fight against spiritual powers in the heavenly places. People are not our enemy. Uh, but a great multitude is coming in the, in the form of deception. And we know that the, what the path is that this world is going to take. We know the path that it's going to take. We know how it's going to end. We know where they're going to go. And, and it's not just secularism. You know, we can, we can almost live with a, a secular government or whatever. That's the way it's supposed to be. But this is a deception that, if possible, could even deceive the elect that we know is coming. In verse 3, it says, so Je And Jehoshaphat feared. You know, he sees this multitude coming against him. He feels helpless, and he, he's afraid. And that's a natural thing to be afraid. Sometimes we can just get afraid because we feel alone and we see just this deception growing around us. Uh, things come into our lives, just the common occurrences that affect all people. Uh, sickness, loss, you know, the death of a loved one, all these things that happen because of the fall and seeing things changing so rapidly. You know, we, we see the news, and it's not like a slow progression. It's like bang, bang, bang. And, you know, it's natural to be scared, but always remembering. And an aspect of continuing to believe in the name of the Son of God is always remembering that Jesus said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And we need to hear him say those words to each one of us personally. To, to hear him say to you, don't be afraid. You know, he even questioned his friends. You know, why are you always so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Uh, our circumstances may seem dire, but do we believe that God will take care of his children? Do we continue to believe in the name of the Son of God? Do not fear is not a suggestion that God gives us. And it's not an empty attempt at giving hope. It's a commandment. It's a commandment. Don't fear. Don't fear. And the fulfillment of any commandment has to be given to us as a gift. And he does and he will. So that aspect of continuing to believe in the name of the Son of God is living a life without fear. You know, we're going to get scared, we're go we are going to fear, but always remembering that Jesus said, don't be afraid, don't fear. So Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. So that's the first thing he does. He sets himself, and, some, and that takes some effort. You know, when you're surrounded and this great multitude's coming at you and you're afraid, it, it takes some effort to set yourself to seek the Lord because there's always a temptation to try to handle it some other way, to do something else, you know, to set up a meeting. You know, this great army's coming against us, so what are our options? Well, we can start the draft up again and get an army together, or we can uh, hire someone, hire another army to help us, or we can surrender and hope they'll have mercy, or we can strengthen the wall and hide behind it. I'm sure that the enemy flashed all those options in front of Jehoshaphat. You know, you should do this, you should do that. If you're not doing this, you're not being responsible. Uh, I'm sure he had a lot of options, but he immediately did one thing and only one thing. He set himself to seek the Lord. He was scared, he saw this multitude coming against him, and he did continue to believe. He set himself to seek the Lord. In the face of ever-changing circumstances, and circumstances are changing every single day, every single moment, tomorrow, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. We have one initial option, prayer. We pray. We come to our Father, and we hide behind Jesus. If we aren't praying, we will be mowed over. There has never been a time in the history of the church from the beginning until today, that right now it's more, more important to be people of prayer. So he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. They got serious. You know, th this 
we see this trouble, we see this potential trial that's coming, and they got serious. These circumstances that they saw around them that were scaring them, that were coming against them, this multitude, these circumstances broke the earthbound chains that they had and moved them closer to heaven. And that's what it means, another aspect of continuing to believe in the name of the Son of God is getting incrementally farther and farther away from this world and closer to heaven. Verse 4, So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. So they start a fast, they're praying, uh, they all gather together, and all the cities of Judah come together to seek the Lord. It, in the face of this danger, in the face of, of this, this multitude coming against them, what happens? Revival happens. May it happen for us. You know, as things get darker and darker and darker, may, it, may the Lord bring about a revival in our hearts. You know, there's, there's an old song that says, where will I go but to the Lord? Uh, in Psalm 121, David says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. It doesn't mean that the course of this world is going to change. It's not. We know what path this world is going to take. It doesn't mean that the effects of the fall will not affect us or touch us. But it does mean that he who keeps us will not slumber. He who keeps us, and he does keep us. So, in verse 5, it says, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. He stood in the house of the Lord stood where the presence of the Lord was. He got into the presence of the Lord. He drew close to the Lord. You know, and we can stand in the presence of the Lord today. The Bible says, Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Just being in the presence of God. Again, there has never been a time in the history of the church, in the history of the world, where it's been more important to be in the presence of God, to be in his word. Never been more important. To be in fellowship with Jesus, to have that personal time with him. And if we are not doing that, that is a definite aspect of continuing to believe in the name of the Son of God, is spending that time with him in his presence, letting the Spirit minister to us. And if we're not doing that, we're not going to lose our salvation, but we will suffer loss. And he stood up in the assembly, fellowship with one another. You know, it's remaining in fellowship. And as we go on in time, I hope I'm wrong, but I believe, unfortunately, we're going to see more and more people dropping out of fellowship. And we can already see it. Uh, people aren't coming to church. Uh, the three things, prayer, the word, and fellowship. There has never been a time in the history of the church, again, where it's been more necessary and more important for us to have fellowship with one another. Uh, we should be together as often as possible. Verse 6, And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven, and do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? Another aspect of it, continuing to believe in the name of the Son of God is we have to remember who's in charge and, and never forget it, that our God is on the throne. Satan is not on the throne. Evil is not on the throne. Our God is on the throne. In Psalm 2, it says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Anything that rises up against the truth is vain. And, you know, any tower of Babel that is attempted to be built is going to be torn down. It, it can't be built. Our God controls evil. You know, so Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It doesn't matter if it's a Goliath, an Antichrist, a Karl Marx, radical left or right-wing politics, 
anarchy, lawlessness, or social or sexual revolution. These things are all going to inflict sorrow and loss on this world, but they are all a vain thing. They are all temporary and work together to accomplish the purpose of God. Our God controls evil. In that psalm, it says, The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. You know, in a sense, the game is fixed. The game is fixed. It, it, the game isn't over, but the outcome has already been decided. And if we're in the game, it would be really foolish not to continue. Uh, and so back to Jehoshaphat, he says, And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? We know the end. We know that no religion, philosophy, army, government, deception, or power can withstand the true and living God. And we don't doubt that, but we sometimes doubt ourselves. And we can get scared, and we can lose faith, and uh, we can worry, and we can be overwhelmed by the neg neg negativity. And, uh, but we know the end. And if, you know, sometimes we can wonder, you know, we see the path that the world is taking and we know the end and we see our weaknesses and we think, man, am I, am I ever going to make it? And the thing is, if you're a child of God, you already have made it. You have made it. Because Jesus said, it is finished. It's finished. In verse 7, he says, are you not our God? And he is who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever. And Abraham was called a friend of God because Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He simply believed what God says. Uh, and in order to continue to believe in the name of the Son of God in the face of adversity that's going to grow, in order to continue, think. Was there ever a time in the past when God didn't have mercy on you? Was there ever a time when you had no strength that God didn't carry you? Was there ever a time when you failed that God didn't welcome you back? Never. Never. Continue to believe. His mercy endures forever. In Romans 5.10 it says, For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You know, if that's, a God, if that's how God treats his enemies, what is he going to do for his children? Verse 8, back with Jehoshaphat. He says, And they dwell in it, and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Again, prayer. Prayer has always been essential, always been the church. The church prays. And uh, there has never been a time where it has been more essential than right now. If we're not praying, it means we're not aware of the time we're living in. Uh, if we're not aware of the time, that day will come upon us like a thief and we'll suffer loss. The multitude that is coming against the truth, as we see things changing so rapidly uh, against the truth, it should drive us to prayer. We, we should be praying more than any Christians have ever done in the past, right now. And if it doesn't, then we're asleep. The people who continue to believe in the name of the Son of God are the people that, who realize that prayer is their only option. They realize the need to cry out to God. In verse 10 it says, And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. 
but they have turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you get, have given to us to inherit. <clears throat> Jehoshaphat saying, you know, these people, you wouldn't let Israel invade them. We did good to them, and here they're repaying us evil for good. People don't care for fundamental Christianity these days in our culture, especially the obvious culture, the media, whatever. Because, as Jesus said in John 3.19, this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. They, there were those who hated Jesus. They hated him because he said and proved that the kingdom of this world is going to fall and the kingdom of heaven is going to be established forever. Those who dwell on the earth, who are earthbound, who desire to build that Tower of Babel outside of God. We don't need God. We'll build our own little utopia on earth. Those people detest an enemy, anything that would come against them is hated. And also, <clears throat> because of Satan's encroachment in the church, in the form of abhorrent doctrines and behavior that go against the truth that people see within the church. If we're truly walking in the spirit, there is no rational reason why anybody would hate us. I said no rational reason why anybody should hate us. But Jesus said they will, and the scripture is going to be fulfilled. We are to display and light up the world with the love of God. That's why we're here. You know, and those who continue to believe in the name more and more, it's so in their lives. The, our, our lights just shine brighter. The darker it gets, the brighter we shine. Because we fall more and more in love with our Savior. As we depend on him and spend that time with him and in prayer, we just fall more in love with him. And the light shines. Verse 12, Jehoshaphat says, O our God, will you not judge them? It's easy to get angry in these days. I have stopped watching the news. I do not watch the news because I just, it just makes me angry. I just get angry. And lawlessness is abounding. And in Matthew, it says, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And there's too many Christians that are getting angry. They see all the things that are happening, and instead of praying, they're getting angry, and the, and the love is growing cold. And in this world, even natural affection is fading away. It's really easy to get angry when we see the unreasonable multitudes coming against the truth. Romans, it says, Paul says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. You know, keep from anger. You know, <clears throat> the other day, every time I get out of my car, I push my mirror in. We have to park on the street in the city. And one day, I forget to push the mirror in. And I come out, and my wife says, did you see the mirror? And the mirror's gone. Uh, I did not have kind thoughts towards the person who, who hit that mirror. My prayer was, Lord, deal with them ever so severely. Those things are expensive. And, but that's not the right prayer. Jehoshaphat, continuing to believe, he prayed, Lord, you judge them. You judge them. We're not the judge. The right prayer in this age is, let the Lord do to them. Let the Lord do to them. Uh, if someone... Pers if someone persecutes, oppresses, attempts to destroy the foundation of biblical truth, let the Lord do to them. God is the judge, and the, and the majority of time, what the Lord does to them is show mercy. Uh, you know, Jehoshaphat has this multitude coming towards him, and maybe the Lord will destroy this multitude in order to accomplish his purpose, or perhaps he'll have mercy on him and bring him to repentance. Those who continue to believe in the name of the Son of God, pray for mercy on those who come against the truth. Pray for the people around us. Pray for our people. You know, it's like, in a sense, that we're all like pastors, and we have a group of people around us that we see every day. 
at work, our families. And we don't see the people in the media, and we don't see the people out, that are in the news uh, doing whatever, but we do see the people that we see every day. You know, are, are we praying for them? Just praying, Lord, have mercy on them. That's why we're here, to pray for them. Um, James says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And Jehoshaphat goes on, he says, For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. To continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. <clears throat> in this age that we're living in right now, which is the most dangerous age that Christians have ever lived in, against overwhelming odds of deception and adverse circumstances, this is the confession right here of people who continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. We have no power, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. That's the confession. That's the definition of those who continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And then courage is received. Um, there was another king in the Bible, Hezekiah, one of the greatest kings. Uh, always did, I mean, brought about revival in the land. Uh, this guy was, he was a good one. And everything was going good. There's revival. People are, are celebrating the Passover again. The whole nation is rejoicing. Jerusalem and Judah, they're rejoicing in the Lord. And all of a sudden, the Assyrians show up, and this huge opposition comes against him. But he continued to believe. And he prepared for it. But he gathered all the people together, and he addressed them. And he said in Second Chronicles, he said, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and fight our battles. He continued to believe. Uh, verse 13, back with Jehoshaphat, he said, Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. And to continue to believe, we have to always remember and remind ourselves that, it is, that we can always approach the throne of grace. We can, any time, any place, no matter where we're at, we can approach the throne of grace because it is a throne of grace. In Hebrews it says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Those who continue to believe have confidence that they can approach the throne boldly, and they do it often. Verse 14, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Matthaniah, and I'm saying this real fast because I'm mispronouncing every word, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. <clears throat> the Spirit of the Lord comes upon this person. You know, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. That's knowing that you have eternal life. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit, but we need the Spirit to come upon us, especially in these days, more than ever in the history of the church do we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need to be empowered by the Spirit to do his will. We need, in these days, we need the Spirit to come upon us to speak to one another, to, to have a good word for one another, to encourage each other, to comfort each other, more and more, it's going to become more and more necessary for this, that by the Spirit, we speak to one another. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Much needed in these days and in the days to come, that gift of prophecy. And, and it's, you know, as I understand the gift of prophecy, it, it's just someone's, the Lord speaking through someone. 
a specific word for a specific individual or a specific group of people, and you know it's from the Lord. Have you ever experienced that? Somebody with a gift of prophecy says something to you, and all of a sudden, it's like lightning. It's like this is from the Lord. It's a word from the Lord for you personally. And a lot of times the person who says it doesn't even know they're doing it. A word from the Lord. Use us to speak to one another. And we should pray for our pastors. Pray for Pastor Rob that when he stands up here and all the pastors and the churches stand up in the pulpits, that they're able to teach and they're able to preach the gospel and from the pulpit that they're able to prophesy, that they will have that gift of prophecy. But we know that the main way we hear the Lord's voice is in the written word of God. Uh, you know, I, I heard a pastor say once, he got done with his sermon and he said, read ahead the next few chapters this week and that'll be the appetizer, and then we'll get together again next Sunday for the main course. You know, I, I think that should be reversed. You know, the sermon, the Bible study that we come, that's the appetizer. The main course is when we are alone with the Lord and the Spirit is ministering to us personally, and we get a word from the Lord. <clears throat> um, verse 15, so the Spirit of the Lord comes upon this person, and he said, listen, all of you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. You know, what a great word from the Lord that they needed to hear at that time. And when somebody speaks a word, a prophetic word to us, we know it. We know it. Do not be afraid. Again, it's a commandment. <clears throat> And in the days to come, we are going to, each one of us, we're going to need to hear those words personally. Do not be afraid. The battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. God's purpose back then was to keep the tribe of Judah and the city of Jerusalem alive. That purpose was being threatened by these multitudes. Therefore, the battle was the Lord's. God's purpose today is being threatened. The reason Jesus came, the reason he died, the reason he rose again, God's purpose. Turn to John chapter 17, verse 20. Please. My wife said, always say please when you tell people to turn. Jesus speaks in John 17, verse 20, about the purpose, why he came. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, which is us, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. <clears throat> God's people being one, not Democrat or Republican, not black or white, not male or female, not young or old, or, although we are all those things, but that we may be one, a people in whom God is known and glorified, whose desire is to obey God, to do the will of God. Verse 22, it says, In the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they, may be, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is God's purpose. This is Jesus' purpose for us. The battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. Therefore, Jesus says, do not fear. Do not fear. Uh, so... <clears throat> 
back with uh, Jehoshaphat in verse 16. This man, the spirit comes upon him and he says, don't fear, the battle is the Lord's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeril. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You know, what a great word that they needed to hear. This is what Moses said to the people at the Red Sea when the Egyptians attempted to thwart the purpose of God. You know, they, everything was good. They were released from Egypt. They're at the Red Sea. They're rejoicing. They're dancing. And all of a sudden, they see the cloud of dust coming behind them. And the Egyptians are after them. And there's no place to go. They are helpless, hopeless, don't know what to do. The sea's before them. There's mountains around them. They can't, there's no direction they can turn. And Moses stands up and he says, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. In Psalm 46, verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, when we feel like the ground is giving away beneath us, you know, what do we do? Be still and know that I am God. You know, if you believe in the name of the Son of God and are continuing to believe in the name of the Son of God, then the Lord has been with you, he is with you, and will be with you. Stand still and see the salvation of God. Please turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 31. When we see circumstances changing and the world, it looks like things are just going crazy. <clears throat> Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. <clears throat> How do we continue to believe in the name of the Son of God? Be still and know that I am God. Back to Jehoshaphat. We're in verse 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of of the Korathites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Teko. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. They heard the word of God. They believed the word of God. And in the midst of this multitude coming against them, they praised and they thanked their God. Believe. <clears throat> Verse 21, And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. 
and as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord sent ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. The Tower of Babel will never be allowed to be built. Then when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. They heard the word of the Lord. They rejoiced in the word of the Lord. They stood still and saw the salvation of God. And those coming against the purpose of God in numbers and strength, they ended up destroying themselves, which is what is going to happen. And the spoil went to God's people, which is what is going to happen. So this is how it ends. I guess we're not going to get to verse 15 tonight. Lord willing, next time. So <clears throat> know you have eternal life and continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you, Lord, first of all, that we can have that assurance of eternal life because it's outside of ourselves. You accomplished it. You are our righteousness. We praise you and we thank you, Lord. Help, us, help that to just be seated in our hearts, Lord, we pray. And Lord, to continue to believe that more and more, Lord, as this world gets darker, that the light of your church would shine brighter and brighter and brighter, Lord, we pray. Revive our hearts. Bring us back to you, Lord, we pray. And we just thank you and praise you, Lord, and know in your goodness that it's going to be done. We praise you, Lord, and look forward to it. In Jesus' name, amen.